welcome to the Flamcast. We made it back a bit quicker than the last time. Uh, Derek and I had a bunch of notes to talk about last week when we sat down. That There was no way we were going to squeeze it into one show, so we decided to, to try and reconvene a bit earlier than we usually do. Uh, but first of all, Derek, we're a week on. You've got a pair of lovely twins who clearly stretch you to the limit. That means you could be going absolutely mad since the last time I talked to you. So how's your mental health? How are you doing? I'm flying. Uh, I had a good week off. Um, I took the midterm off with the kids. And it really enjoyed the week. Um, got out, got, did a lot of stuff with the kids. Didn't touch a bike again. Um, so, I, no, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling enthused about this new season coming up. I'm feeling... I'm going to be horribly confused about all the name changes, all the team changes, all the rider changes, all the bike changes. Um, as demonstrated this week when the Tram 12-speed, uh, that leaked this week, and uh, my mate sent it on to me via WhatsApp, and I replied to him, oh, Christoph's, uh, Christmas has come early. And, of course, I sent a, a frozen gift to him as well, and I got a question mark back, and I went, oh, bollocks. Yeah, it's Catella it's Catella not uh, Christoph. So, yeah, I'm still getting that sort of wrong. So, look, God only knows how it's going to fare out for me next year. Plus, as well, um, I don't know how you feel about this uh, presented by moniker that some of the teams are starting to use. We won't point any fingers, but if if a couple of more of them use it, I'm going to trot some marketing managers. Well, my my middle boy's employed by Education First, so I'm contractually obliged to say it's very, very good. Uh, wherever they're involved, so presented by Draypack or Cannondale or whoever the hell it is, is fine with me. I actually think it's just symptomatic of the problems in the sport just now, that people have yeah. to get so many sponsors together that they're just shoehorning them onto a jersey and into a team title any way they can. Yeah, and I think also the, the, the model for uh, revenue generating and kind of illustrating what your, your, your dollar is getting for you is so so poor in cycling it just it doesn't make sense like you know you can say you're we got X amount of TV time um, across so many stations and X amount of people saw us but what does that actually mean in reality if someone pays 50 grand for a TV ad is that better? Is that worse? How's how's how does this value on return? So I don't know. Exposure, uh, it's never really it's never really bought anyone dinner, has it? Well, you and I talked about how difficult it was for Quickstep to find a, a sponsor with seventy three victories over the year. It's probably more than that by now in some obscure race. Although the new season has already started in Asia, which completely does my head in. Um, apparently. Patrick Lefebvre says younger CEOs want quicker returns on their money. So how do you measure that? That's the question that you've just put. But he's also saying that cycling is really suffering still, you know, from a reputational point of view. And we've had that this week with Valverde saying I never tested positive, which must be the most kind of poison chalice phrase in the world. And I'm actually feeling it's slightly unfair because I feel as cyclists and fans of pro cycling sport, we're probably a decade ahead of athletics and tennis and all that kind of thing because they're getting the same grief now that we had in 2005, 2006. Yeah, no, I agree. But they're, the the benefit that's, you know, uh, soccer, tennis, athletics, maybe even golf, if you want to point a the finger there, rugby, is they have a huge amount of money invested yeah. in them now. Yeah. So I, I don't think they're going to fail the way that cycling has failed. Plus as well, it's also very handy for those other um, organisations and those other sports to have a, a, a dirty um, punching bag in, in, in the repertory and they can always point to cycling for whatever it does. And you know, look, it's is it this year's 30 years since 
Ben Johnson won that gold medal in Seoul and still do I have any indication that you know uh, athletics is any cleaner yeah I don't really um, you no, know, I completely has, agree has, with that yeah cycling has changed I think definitely cycling has changed but other sports I don't think so Right, well, I mean, one of the things that was on our notes last time, let's let's move on to that, and that's rider representation. I mean, the the most obvious example of that to me last year was that finishing circuit in the Giro in Rome, where Rome had known it was coming for months, uh, and they were still presented with the kind of roads that you would want a full suspension bike on. You know, sections of it looked like Paris-Roubaix, there were cobbles. We had Chris Froome going back and, you know, trying to play Padron, uh, talking to the race organisers. And still, you know, essentially the organiser came out and said, stop making a fuss. So after yep. all of these years, we've had the riders... I remember the riders sitting down, led by Marco Pantani and Laurent Jalabert on the road in 1998 uh, during the, the Festina affair. We've had the situations where, again in the Giro, Armstrong playing Padron when he came back had to talk to them. So rider representation is something that's been needed for ages. Essentially, the riders are are easily disposable, almost property. And we've got the the riders organisation, which has been led by Gianni Bugno, which seems to me to have no teeth. But that's been in the news lately when we had David Muller, uh, one of my favourite riders, as you well know, uh, going up against Bugno for the presidency of the, the, the riders' organisation. I think they need a proper union. You know, they're still the poor part of the equation. I mean, as fans, we are disenfranchised, but, you know, that's not unusual in sport. But for the participants to have so little power seems to me insane in the 21st century. Surely they should get some kind of proper union organised and stand up for their rights. No, you're 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 spot on there, like you know. And um, I suppose even if you go back and you look at Eno and you look at Armstrong, whatever, however you, much you despise them, they were a powerful force in the peloton. And when they went to an organizer or went to, um, you know, the the, the the whoever was running a race, when they said something, they listened because they had to. Because at that point, that rider held power. Now. There's no Froome comes close, but I still don't think uh, he waves the power that uh, Hino or Le Mans did. Um, and yeah, you're right. They, they're just told get down the mine there, boy, and get on with it. At the end of the day, you know, and that's that's no that equation is completely imbalanced, um, and you'll never correct that. No, I tell you what strikes me through. I mean, it's like so much else in cycling. I'm including like WADA and the UCI in this. Not so much ASO because they're a private company. I mean, they need to be controlled. But they're, they, I mean, essentially they're doing what they're designed to do. They're generating profit for the shareholders and all that kind of stuff. So that's that's a different issue. But I genuinely think that the riders' union, the UCI and WADA, essentially now I'm convinced just need to be burned down and rebuilt from scratch. You know, slotting uh, Renaissance dandy David Miller in at the head of it, as opposed to Gianni Bugno, will make absolutely no difference because they'll get exactly the same respect from the ASO and the UCI as they get now, which is virtually none. WADA's credibility is short. The UCI time and again have shown that they can't promote the sport and govern it. So, I mean, it's never going to happen, but I really feel that for the sport to be reborn properly we need to burn all these things down and just start again yeah it's like building a house 
you know, if you buy a cottage or whatever else, and your design always has to incorporate a cottage in some way, shape, or form, you're always going to be compromised. Your best yeah. bet is knock the thing down and start again, or build behind it and knock that down afterwards. And the, the, the CPA election just smacked at that. And, you know, look, it really... I know you don't like Miller. I, I hate I'm, Miller. I'll be honest, I hate Miller, but I still watch that they've rigged this against him. Well, I, I would ask you, which Miller do you hate? The Scottish David Miller, the Maltese David Miller, the Hong Kong David Miller. <laughs> but, um, David I, Miller's always after one thing, and it's what's best for David Miller. For now, David that's Miller, fine. Yeah. You know, I've, you know, that's fine. There's, there's loads of that. I just don't get the reframing himself as the anti-doping Jesus, and it bugs the shit out of me. You know, I don't trust him, and people can disagree with me about this. But the whole kind of, I, I did it once and, you know, didn't inhale crap, just doesn't ring true for me. And, to, you know, the, the whole Messiah act, which comes off, doesn't ring true. And, he, you know, I don't think he's nearly as clever as he thinks he is. You know, you read his book, I mean, it's it's constructed in such a way that, yeah, it's a decent read, but it's unbelievably pretentious. It just didn't ring true to me at all. So Miller annoys me, but Bunyo was just in with the foundations at the CPA, and the thing was rigged against Miller. So whilst, for me, David Miller is just as bad as Alejandro Valverde. You know, that I, I can't pick between them if I was going to choose who was the most hypocritical of the, the dopers at the time. But the CPA say, is not say, acting. I would say Miller. Well, yeah, me too, because at least Valverde's true to... I was saying this to Scott earlier on, you know, he, he was doing what he thought he needed to do to be professional and he's not taking any yeah. shit about it. Yeah, no, that's it. And Miller, Miller has told a level of a story to cleanse his soul. I don't... I personally don't believe he's told the truth or all the story. Yeah. Uh, he's just told enough to, to clean his soul. But uh, he's just, yeah, like you said, he's just, he's out for himself. He's never going to do anything. This doping Jesus, I can understand where he's coming from, but ah, he just annoys me. Yeah, me too. I mean, even doing the, you know, the clothing range, which costs more than a perfectly serviceable bike from Decathlon now. But as well as that, I, what I found really dispiriting about the whole thing was that uh, Miller threw his hat into the ring at la last gasp. And uh, myself and Killian had a few tweets back and forward. It's like they didn't, he didn't understand the rules. And yeah. he, was pissing and, he was pissing and moaning at, about the rules. If Anya, if if you're going to into a war, you're going into a fight, or you're going into something like that, you need to know what's happening, uh, how to do it. Right, I need, if to get win this election, I need X amount. I need to do this. I need to do that. It's like they they decided to put them forward and then figure out what do I need to do next. And fair enough, if that's you're just going out there to make a point and you're trying to get a fight and you're trying to highlight the issues that the CPA is unfit for a purpose, that's okay. Once you follow up with something else, All right, guys, um, we're launching the APC. Um, it's a, a new union, whatever, but they're not. It's died on its arse. Miller hasn't said a word since. He's doing a bit of commentate and stuff like that, but he hasn't discussed this at all. And hasn't. There's nothing. There's no momentum from it. There's, he only wanted to stand because he could stand. There was no real actual platform for change. And if you look at the uh, Women's Alliance, they've they've separated from the CPA. Even if you look at uh, Belgium and somewhere else, have left the CPA as well. Yeah. There is enough. There is enough of a groundswell there that if they wanted to. 
they could make the CPA um, irrelevant in the morning. They could ask the rest of the unions, sure, I don't think the French or the Italians will pull out, but they can ask the rest of the unions to pull out and join them in the APC union. And if they got enough bodies, if they recognised everyone, if they recognised the UK, if they recognised Ireland, you know, they, 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 they could do this and basically turn around to UCI and say, right, well, you've got the CPA here, consists of two unions, France and Italy. You've got the APC here. It consists of 26 countries, um, all men's peloton, all the female women's peloton, um, pro-Conti riders, yeah. Conti riders, cause, you know, and they, they've then built up a body of weight that makes them relevant again. And they can force their way in. But Miller was never going to do that. And I don't think there's any plan there to do any of that. And even if you go back a few years ago um, and you look at, uh, what's his name, Jamie Fuller from Skins. Yeah. Um, I just think he was just uh, getting, I personally think he was involved getting, or involved with cycling just as a publicity stuff because Skins still still sponsor um, Barcelona. They sponsor some teams with some very, very dodgy, dodgy backgrounds. And yet, you know, he was looking for change in cycling, change in this and change in that. And I just, I think, I don't know, I think people are, are just out to get publicity for themselves or whatever else. And I think that's what Miller was at with the CPA. And it wasn't very impressive. I would have, if he went out to get a fight and get the bloody nose and take that, but carry that momentum on, he would have done very, very well. And even the bits he was talking about, he didn't discuss the women's uh, peloton. He didn't discuss anything other than the world tour yeah and now he's vanished yeah you know because there's no mileage in it for him anymore I mean I I genuinely think the riders need representation I think there's movements towards that in women's cycling I think in men's cycling there's a lethargy because they're making enough money you know when you make a certain amount of money then the status quo is good enough you know, and even a, a reasonably decent journeyman pro now is making a decent salary, unlike the women's sport, which we, is where I think the, the motivation for change comes in the women's sport. And maybe we need a new patron. You know, maybe we need, and it's hard to see where it's coming from, but a new Bernardino, uh, because at least they made people pay attention. You know, they were almost bigger than the sport, which meant when they talked, people listened. And there's nobody like that just now. No, there's not. And, um, you know, look, even if you get down through the sport, like, you know, you, you look, you look currently, uh, you know, taking on what Lefebvre said about, you know, quick step getting, having struggling to get, get sponsors. Like, you know, it's, it's very tough out there, you know, for any team, could go, any team other than Sky, maybe Katusha, um, you know, maybe any of the kind of UAE Bahrain teams, any of the others could go bust within a week, I think. Oh yeah. Genuinely. Yeah, 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 they could. And the thing is, um, you know, for some of the big sponsors um, that could hand, handily hand over a million a year or hand over four, 10, 15, 20 million, whatever you want, they only want a team that's in the Tour of France. They only want a team that's trying to win the Tour of France. But to try and get a sponsor, for example, to, you know, we, go, we look at Aqua Blue, we look at JLT, uh, one pro cycling uh, on post you know there's four low level low level uh, I know Aqua Blue is a slightly higher level but four low level teams they're probably running a budget of what 300 a year 400 yeah. a year yeah if you're lucky yeah you know so you what know, were drops looking for 250k yeah yeah 
I mean, it's you know, it's the, it's negligible compared to the budget of a, a mid-level world tier team. Yeah, and you're still getting the same thing, like you know. And I just don't, I, I don't understand. I, I, I'm at a loss to try and figure it out. I think everyone wants to be at the top end. Everyone wants to sponsor. If it, when they're coming in, they want to be with a Chris Froome. No one wants to sponsor an Unpost anymore, and no one wants to sponsor uh, the Ross, for instance. You know, they they want to be. They want to see their name at the tour. They want to see their name at the GR. They don't want to do that. And what it is then is those level teams at JLT or whatever else, the Unpost team, they're too big for small companies because no small company can afford 200K a year yeah. to be handing, it, handing out in sponsorship, especially if they have 50, 100 employees and you know 10 of those are on 30 or 40 grand a year. And they're going, all right, well, we've got a cycling team and they're getting 200K a year or 300K a year. I can't get a, I can't get a two K raise. You know, yeah. it and that's where that's where it falls down. And it's just just it's hard to balance it. Like you know, and I, I like you said. Um, so the sport the is both beautiful and fucked. Oh yeah, it is. I I think even if you go to the amateur level, like you know, um, you probably you can talk to the, about the uh, pretty cycling. But over here, it's thirty and forty year old men. There's you know the juniors are still racing in, um or senior men are A1, A2, A3, A4 and the juniors are still racing in, in with the A3s yeah. um, or the Cat 3. So like there's not even a there's not even enough juniors in the country racing consistently to have a separate junior race. No, uh, I mean we're, we're the same. I mean I go you know doing my, my, my stump jumper because I'm too embarrassed to go out on a road bike. Um, when I do see other roadies most of them are older than me and I'm 56. You know what the hell's going on with that? I, yeah. I, I had a chat today with, you know, we mentioned this before we were recording, a, a postie who's new to Peebles, but he's been a postie for 22 years, um, turned up at my door with a parcel today and he said, oh, I thought I recognised your name. And of course, I thought he meant in a postie context. So I went, oh, yeah, you know, I was a postie in Peebles for, for 10 years, Westlington postie for four years or whatever. He went, no, no, cycling. You know, we used to race. And I, I looked at him and he's still going out in the chain gang. He's still racing. And he's retiring next year at 60. And he looked pretty young compared to a lot of the folk I see in the road. There's a genuine crisis. And certainly in Britain, and from what you're talking about in Ireland as well, finding young talent. Because one, unless you're truly exceptional, the money isn't there. But two, I think road racing is... There, there's almost a disillusionment that spread from youth. Oh, these guys are going into gravel racing now. You know, they're going into triathlon. A lot of the the young juniors that I used to watch in the club, or they're going into mountain biking because it's sexy and it's an extreme sport. You know, there is there's something at the. This isn't a very focused conversation. I mean, we're we're talking about what no. we're, we're not happy with, but there's something just fundamentally wrong at the bottom of the roadside of our sport. Oh, there's, there's something amiss, and I I think there's a lot of emperors around and there's not a lot of people saying you've got no clothes on mate yeah bang spot on absolutely spot on you know David Laparty and bumping his gums before him Brian Cooks and making a noise you know where's the women's team you were promising us Brian before that you had the, the unholy twosome of Hein and Pat you know, <laughs> and that's all about getting on the gravy train of the IOC it's nothing about doing the best for cycling yeah and look at where the IOC is now yeah, I know it's it's just I, I just on a slight side I think uh, the Olympic movement is, is probably in a, in a it's almost at the stage now where there's only probably going to be 
four or five places in the next couple of years going to be able to host that yeah. and it's just going to go on a round robin um, but yeah <clears throat> it's it's tough to take um, because I do think the sport is doing so well at the top level but it just seems to be it's not trickling down at all and it doesn't seem to be I don't know they're not attracting the youth into it as you said um, I, or new sponsors and the kind of numbers that are needed yeah you know and look, you know, we go back and we talk about uh, my favourite per- person to dislike, but I still like, is um, Vaughters. And Vaughters is looking for TV money and everything else. And I think there was a, uh, he's looking for a share of the TV money. I think it was a post by Inner Ring there a while ago and saying that ASO made between 40 and 60 million profit in a year. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Let's do some general back of the fag packet calculations here, right? Um, 40, 60 million for ASO. Let's throw in, say, let's take that at 60 million. Let's throw in 20 million for RCS. Mm. They, make 20, they make 20 million profit. Okay, that's up to 80 million. Let's throw in an extra 20 million across the rest of the races that they don't own profit. That's not a huge amount, right? So that brings us up to a round figure of 100 million. Okay, it's probably less than Manchester United get as their share of the television rights for football. Yep. Um, let's look at that. So, how many World Tour te- teams is there? Eighteen. Yeah. Roughly, right? So we've got a hundred million. So let's say that they all say we're going to give you twenty percent of our of our total profits. Okay, so that's eighteen is twenty million. But hang on, we've got the Pro Conti boys, and we've got the Conti boys as well. So you're adding up to around maybe 45 teams, an equal share. So divide 20 by 45. It's not a hell of a lot, is it? No, it's it's less. Yeah, it's a, a very good super domestic. No, in fact, it's, it's it's a decent domestic, isn't it? it it's 300. It's about 360, 400k per yeah, yeah. team. Oh god, you know, I'm getting depressed, mate. Yeah, no, I I I, I sat down. I, I did the figures on that there a while ago, and I was going, Jesus. That is that is damning. Like, I know in certain areas that, you know, like the the Tour of France that has a free to air component, and I can understand why that's so important to the French public and stuff like that. But I just don't think the sport is so fractured that nothing it's it's never going to be it's never going to come together, and it's never going to be such a, a spuns in the seat sport. It's never going to be able to do. It's never going to be able to, to gather up the momentum it needs it's never going to be able to club together and, and there's no way to monetize the by the road thing because there's that you know no, o- over a century worth of you get to stand by the roadside and watch it free and we saw i mean we've seen on the bergs in the tour of flanders after the the horrible terrorist attack in brussels they did bag searches and had entrance to you know the Koppenberg and all that kind of stuff and that created a friction i don't think people would pay for that you know, so no. I, th- there's no on the roadside way to monetize the content. It all has to be by media, but everything's a fracture. There's no way for them to generate meaningful income. No, but Flanders is probably about as best as you're going to see uh, of them monetizing something because uh, the start, you know, when you get in around the team buses, that's all uh, entry fee. Uh, get up around the, the podium is all entry. Um, there is stands up on the the, the bergs that are entry. Yeah. Um, the the VIP at the start finish is 
I think it's a couple of hundred. Um, you know, so the, the, I would think that Flanders is about as monetized as it can get. Um, and I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to see the the figures. I'd love to see the, I suppose, the volume of who's paying for what, and uh, what the profit levels are at, like for that. But I think Flanders is about as, as good as you're going to get. But even if you, it, it, you move away from Flanders, if we look at, um, you know, Velon. <clears throat> they were after. They, ah, well, look, they tried to do a winter series. They tried to do a track racing, and they couldn't. Yeah. And that that is literally just bums on seats. And they have all the contracted riders. They have all, you know, they have all the big teams signed up to them, and they still could not do it. Yeah. And the Hammer series that nobody understands. No, even after a year. Yeah, you know, I, I've I watched it in Hong Kong, and I, I still thought, you know, how the hell is this supposed to attract new people to the sport? You know, I've been watching the sport for kicking on for forty years now, and I think well more than forty years, I've got no idea what's going on here. You know, uh, yeah. if your point system involves decimal places, you're in trouble. Look, I'm going to move us swiftly along because I'm getting depressed. We're 25 minutes into the podcast. We've just been... Uh, I mean, burn it down and start again. Seriously, just just napalm yes, the whole right. bloody thing and start again. Um, let's talk about Grand Tours next year. Now, I'm not going to go in depth into the routes because, you know, you and no, I both looked at them. Geraint Thomas at the Saitama Criterium looked to me like he was having a bit of a Jan Ulrich of a winter. And we have both him and Chris Froome saying they want to go for the tour. Froome is going to be, I would guarantee Chris Froome is now probably only four pounds over his, uh, his race weight, you know, and he's going to be on the money when it comes to July. Geraint has been eating all sorts of stuff and the round of publicity that comes with winning the tour. Um, if both of those guys from Sky go to the tour with the road deciding, my money's in Froome now. Yeah. Oh, that um, was a long pause there. You're thinking about something else. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree with you. But I, yeah, I suppose the, the thing is, does Thomas, does he want it enough? He's well, done it now. Well, he needs another trophy. He's lost one. He's got to get one for his mantelpiece. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's gone, it's gone to the same place. Sean Kelly's uh, wealth the trophy's gone to. Um, yeah, so Thomas has won it now. Does 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 is the hunger still there? Um, and uh, he still hasn't he hasn't won it cleanly enough that the he's put to bed the the the, the title fight between himself and Froome. Yeah. So you're you're right there. But Froome has Froome has been through this before. He's fought with Wiggins and come out the far side of it, and he's gone on to win all around him. Mm. So. I do think Froome has the mental ability to beat Thomas. Um, but whether the two of them will get the same program to come into form with the two of them on happy out, um, joint joint picks for the, the tour, I don't know. I can see one of them, possibly Thomas, given an early season, failing and been pushed to the Giro. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what Scott, I was talking to Scott in the Velocast about this earlier on, and what he thought would be best was Geraint riding the Giro, because that's not in his Palmares. Everybody behind Chris Froome for the, the fifth tour victory, and then maybe Egan Bernal being let loose at the, the Vuelta for his first leadership of a Grand Tour. And I think that makes a huge amount of sense. You know, when you look a bit at that, that, that logically that looks really sensible. But Geraint Thomas has come out and said, quite openly and quite definitely he wants to defend his tour title 
And that's yeah, the sure. spanner in the works. I mean, why wouldn't you? Think of the money, the prestige you get with a Tour victory. And, you know, Geraint, remember I got really cross when they took him away for the classics. Mm-hmm. Because I thought he had a, at least a Ruby in him, maybe a Flanders. Um, but he went... And I actually blamed Sky, but I've heard from other people that it was Geraint who was the driver behind this, and it was about the money that he was seeing the Grand Tour guys getting. You know, he was seeing the kind of money that they were making compared to the Classics guys, and he wanted a piece of that, and he knew he was a classy rider. He knew that if he devoted years to it, he could adapt. And it's all come true for him. You know, he's done the job. He's made the transition. So all of my stuff about the Classic stuff is moot. You know, nobody cares about that now. So having done that once, he's now got that belief. Why would you hand over to somebody else when you've got the chance of, you know, bigging up your payday even more? You wouldn't. Um, But... (laughs) Like you said, if he's starting to winter badly already... He looked porky. Porky you looked. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking at your avatar on Skype where you're in a team leader's jersey in a, a stage race in Ireland. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, that's a fine-looking young man. Geraint yeah. Thomas did not look like you in that picture, Derek. should hope not. <laughs> I'm, prob- I'm, I'm probably still about fucking 10 kg heavier than the fucker. Um, <laughs> he barely fitted into his yellow jersey. It was Ulrich-esque Yeah Naturally that's a bit harsh He wasn't quite as big as Jan Jan used to get as big as me in the winter Yeah Jan Jan was twice the man He he was in June Um, But yeah He's he's probably down He's probably down to Dachshund In Cardiff He's probably enjoying a few Poise He's uh, Yeah It's hard to know It's hard to know But uh, I would disagree with What you said Um, I, I would like to see I think Thomas could win the Giro, mm-hmm. but I think if he's going to go to the Giro, he's going to be getting a massive fucking payout to go to the Giro. Yeah. Um, and the Giro are throwing cash around like there's no tomorrow. There's strong rumors of not insubstantial sums been been offered to a multiple green jersey winner. <coughs> Sagan, Sagan. Yeah. Uh, to appear at the tour or to appear, appear at Giro um, but if if, if and Froome at the show they were applying a huge amount of pressure to it I mean he was being very diplomatic but you know there, there was definitely you know are you coming back please will you come back come back please please come back if Thomas comes I'd think he'd want Bernal as his number two yeah yeah and that and would be had, a great learning experience for Bernal. It would, but it would also noble Froome a bit. Yeah. See, I, I, I think, I genuinely think, do you remember, I hate to mention he who should not be named, but was it 2002 he had a difficult tour? I can't remember. But he came out the following year, the year that he told Floyd Landis to ride it like he stole it. Yeah, and he was just majestic. I mean, I, I've watched all of those races, and Armstrong. I hate to agree with Bradley Wiggins, but he was just magnificent that year. Just from a pure spectacle point of view, forget sport and ethics, forget purity or that kind of thing. It's pure entertainment. It was brilliant, and it's because he got everything right in the run up to the tour, having got it wrong in previous years. Um, 
and not being quite as dominant as we'd seen him. I think Froome, without the burden of multiple Grand Tours in his legs before it, because remember, he was going for that run of, you know, four Grand Tours in a row or whatever. Yeah, he's going to come to the 2019 Tour with fresh legs, with everything, you know, all of those ducks in a line, and he is just going to crush. I'm, I, I would be amazed if he doesn't win it by five minutes next year. Yeah, I, 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 his only his only major rival is Thomas. Yeah, um, I don't see uh, Dumoulin. There's not enough time trialing in the tour for Dumoulin next year. Yeah, and the time trial in the Giro is not much better, is it? Well, there's a lot of it, but it's lumpy. I mean, it's difficult. And then the the, yeah, the high mountains in the Giro are really, really nasty. You know, the last yeah. week is just brutal, and the second week's no much better. Uh, yeah, but you, you could, know. You could... You could lose ten k. You could lose ten minutes there in a few k on some of those climbs. Like yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you know, Dumoulin, if he's looking at a race, probably the Giro suits him better because of the amount of time trial in, and he's decent even in a hilly time trial. But the Tour, I mean, it's there's there's barely any time trial worth talking about. Yeah, uh, I suppose. Who does? If we put in more time trialing, who would it favour? Well, Froome can time trial as well. You know, yeah, he's, you he's know, not quite as good as Dimmelan, but he's not far off. Like, it's not going to bring in a Ron Dennis or anything like that. No. Um, and I don't think there's anyone else, you know, that's kind of okay. It's very good time trialing, but is is maybe losing a minute or two minutes on the climbs to the GC riders. Yeah. But if you could, he's he's there's no one. I suppose we haven't seen a big power time trial in, in the, the tour in a long, long time. What I mean by a big power time trial, 40, 45, 40K, flat you know your your 58 11 the whole way or whatever else um where yeah, but who lads, can also climb into rain yeah and even at that like you know if you look back a few years Kanzler never really you know Tony Martin never really put that much time into the GC boys either did he no yeah I don't, I don't know I mean I, th- I think Froome's going to win the tier I don't know who's going to win the zero for the simple reason that I don't know who's going to turn up uh, yeah. I think if you're Vincenzo Nibali we've heard talk of him I mean he's even mentioned the double today he should turn up at the Giro and maybe try and win a Liège to round out his Palmares a bit more don't you think? Yeah uh, Vincenzo's kind of at a bit of a crossroads um, I, I, the problem for the Giro I think is that it, it's almost the, the reverse of the Vuelta the Vuelta's last chance saloon for lads that have had a bad year um, and the Giro is a chance oh, well you know, Froome's going to the, t- the tour. Fuck it, I'll ride the Giro, I'll have a chance at that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and you just don't know who's going to turn up to it. Um, and you don't know what condition they're in or what, what's going to happen with it. And plus as well, you know, I, I've said it before about the, the Giro, it's not as it's not as fluid and as well organised as a, as a tour. You know, the hotels aren't as great, there's long transfers. So it can be the off-bike activities can affect people more than the yeah. than they do on, in the, the, the tour. Um, so the Giro is a bit of a mixed bag. And like you said, it depends who does turn up. Um, and, you know, I, I'd say if, if, if Vincenzo, it's an interesting one, he probably could win another Giro. I, think he could, I don't think he could win another tour, but I think he could win another Giro if the right folk turned up against him. I think he could win another tour if he had, I don't know, he was close enough this year, um, but I think he'd need a bit of luck to take out 
take out Froome or Thomas. Yeah. And um, also, he's not happy in his team. I mean, I, all of that talk was essentially, for me, a thinly veiled, I'm really not that happy at Barry and Marida coming with, with offers. Yeah. Um, yeah, all the teams are, they're, 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 like you said, they're only a sneeze away from folding, aren't they? I wish that Sky rumour about Nibali had been true. That would be awesome. Can you imagine Vincenzo Nibali, Geraint Thomas and Chris Froome all in the same team? The internet would explode. Oh, flames. I think I think I think um Paul Kimmage would self combust. <laughs> right, I'm gonna I'm gonna call a close to today's festivities because we started so depressingly and we've finished on a nice high note. Um, let's let's get together again next week. Let's keep this kind of slightly more frequent thing going. Um, where can people find you on the internet, Derek? Hey, um, people can find me at Flamcast on Twitter. Yep, uh, where frequently we we just kind of subtweet each other, which is fine. Um, I, I, I like a good argument on Twitter. You're also on Facebook at Flamcast, which we've still not yeah. got a handle on, which we talk about every single show. I know. Um, but, you know, if you enjoy the show, then leave us a review on iTunes and all that kind of crap, because yada, yada, it helps other people find the show. But other than that, just, just join us whenever we convene, because this is just Derek and I having a chat, and if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. If you don't, then just kind of like Derek and I. <laughs>